Torah Resource presents the Rob and Caleb Show. All aboard! And now, from two sides of the same state, here they are, Rob and Caleb. What up? And shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show. My name is Caleb Haig. With me, as always, a Rob Van Hoff. What up, Hoff? <laughs> should I should I have called this the ultra controversial Robin Caleb show? Yeah. <laughs> Let's re. We need some rebranding here. We need to go back to our old model. <laughs> uh, yes. Apparently, our 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 uh, new model is exactly the same, just with less sarcasm. Which is right. That's the new model. I <laughs> People said that our sarcasm was not, uh, was not representative of the Messiah. That we shouldn't be sarcastic like we were. So we told everyone we were going to change. And now we're not sarcastic. Now we just tell the truth. And we're getting, we're getting really, really picked on for it. Not that I care. Um, so Could someone if so, so like Yeshua is calling the scribes and Pharisees like, a brood of vipers, mm. or like John. No, the, no, 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 no. Someone no. sitting no. and watching say foul. Yeah, yeah. He's he, no, 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 no. He he's allowed to apparently because he's the Messiah. But well, us, John the Baptist did too. Yeah, no. Oh, no, 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 no. But they're biblical figures. Rob, come on, man. Don't you know? Paul said, "You foolish Galatians, oh, who no, bewitched you." No, 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 no. See, that's all he, in the Bible. He's Paul. They're allowed to do that. Uh, you know, when we call out people, not allowed to do that. So, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, let's get into it. Uh, let's just, should we just go right into it? How you been, man? <laughs> yeah, let's go right. I, I mean, how's the I'm week nervous. been? You're nervous? I'm, I'm excited and nervous and happy. I, I, I've had... All at the same time. Yeah, I have had multiple, uh, multiple emotions today. Um, and th- for the past week, honestly, this past week has been uh, very trying. Honestly, it's been ex- uh, emotionally draining and exhausting. Last night, I got home and laid down on the on the couch for a few minutes. And my wife said, "Are you okay? You know what's going on?" <laughs> it's like I'm fine. I'm just emotionally drained here. Uh, I cannot believe, I cannot believe how some believers have acted and and uh, responded. But I guess we're the ones who lit the fire because we're the ones who did the show last week. Let's talk about it. Um, so, yeah, uh, and Mark told me that uh, it's it's one of these times. Yeah, let's do it. So um, our last show, our, okay, our last three shows we dedicated to, we dedicated to uh, talking about Itzhak Shapira's book, Return of the Kosher Pig. And in Itzhak Shapira's book, he does several things. First of all, he equates the uh, the Zohar with the apostolic scriptures, essentially. He basically brings theology in and tries to equate. Now, granted, I uh, we've said this many times. What his goal is is to reach the, the Jewish people and to try to evangelize the Jewish people. So credit, credit where credit's due. At the same time, what he has not done is then clarify all this is not, you know, you can't, we're not taking the Zohar and all this as truth. No, what he's done is he's basically said, this is all truth. 
and uh and they just they're not interpreting it correctly yeah and then yeah exactly it's all truth and we're they're just the jewish people just aren't aren't realizing that what they believe that's what he's saying and then what he does is he equates metatron he takes over 20 pages to equate metatron the quote archangel according to mystic writings with uh with yeshua the messiah and so we have just been beat up in comments all week long over this. And I grabbed some of these comments. Let's talk about them. Here is – this one was really surprising to me. You know, some of the other people, all right, fine. You don't like us? Great. I get it. There's a lot of people in the Messianic movement who really don't like us. Um, and what is funny is that th- these a lot of these people are like, oh, yeah, you know, this is Lashon Hurrah, which means evil speech. Like what what these guys are doing, Rob and Caleb are, are you know, involved in Lashon Hurrah. And then they take the next, you know, five comments to bash us and our character and all these kind of things. Which, okay, you know, I don't really care. I just think it's ironic that these people are shout, shouting about us spouting Lashon Hurrah. And then they turn around and what do they do? They obviously are engaging in Lashon Hurrah. Okay, so... Um, there's this guy, Carlos Mendoza. He is actually, you know, I've enjoyed some of the stuff that he said. I disagree with him quite often on certain things. He's a big proponent of the Olive Tov. He posted our uh, one of our videos. Now, I, I chopped the, the video up into uh, two highlight clips. So there's one that's like 12 minutes long. There's one that's like seven minutes long. And it's part one and part two on the YouTube page, okay? And um, so all these comments came on the heels of people watching the second video. They're supposed to go together. Okay? This is on the Metatron one? Yes, on my YouTube page. Okay, so Carlos, who, you know, I, I respect the guy. I do. I, th- I think he loves the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I think his heart is, is definitely in the right place. He, uh, you know, he does love the Lord, and, and I've, I've actually gained, uh, you know, even though we disagree on some things, and I, I disagree with his hermeneutic in, in certain times, uh, you know, I've, I've gained, I've gleaned things from things that he's posted and, and uh, some of the interactions we've had, you know, we, we do agree on some stuff, so, you know, that's why this was really actually kind of shocking to me. He says, uh, Caleb, wow, this is amazing. You admitted in the video that you don't understand what even Shapiro believed about Metatron. That's not true. I say that he used 20 bu- or twenty pages to uh, describe his, his, uh, his views on Metatron. He leaves out stuff. He leaves out huge amounts of stuff. And we're going to get to another comment here that uh, where his buddy, uh, Shapiro's buddy uh, and colleague, at the school that he teaches at, uh, claims that uh, that Shapira didn't neglect to talk about Third Enoch, or that he did. He he obviously knows about it. Well, he if that's the case, if Shapira, let's give let's say that you know I was trying to give Shapira the benefit of the doubt that he that he was unaware of Third Enoch, but since he is not, uh, since he seems to be aware of it, since his buddy's saying that he is obviously aware of it, um. So then what a horrible disservice to the people that you're that you're writing to to not inform them of the background of Metatron. You're just going to equate Metatron with with uh, with Yeshua and not tell them the lore that goes along the Kabbalistic lore. They, they, maybe he's just going by the Zohar in his book. 
Uh, he is. is he, okay, yeah, granted, I, I totally so, so agree with you. Just, but the point is, is that you can't just say, you can't just take a 13th century writing and say, oh, okay, we're going to take this as oh, true. Caleb, yes, you can. <laughs> and you can sell books that way. I mean, so, so Shapiro basically takes a 13th century, century writing, the Zohar, says this is truth. But all, everything leading up to the Zohar is basically the formation of, of Metatron. By the time you have uh, Metatron in the Zohar, he's been well established within Jew- Jewish thought. He's already he's already a concept. He's a Jewish symbol by this point to reference one of Rob Van Hoff's uh, uh, classes, right? Yeah, he's become like a, a folk symbol, Jewish folk symbol. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. It's not I'm, I don't even feel hurt. I am so overly uh, shocked and offended by some of these people. <laughs> it's offensive. Okay, so he says, wow, uh, this is amazing. This is Carlos, by the way. You admitted in your video that you don't understand what even Shapira believed about Metatron. Without knowing what Shapira believed, you decide it is blasphemy because you have anti-rabbinic bias. There's so much packed into this. First of all, I've read his section on Metatron in his book. If you're going to put a book out, and you're going to, to spout off theology, then how am I wrong for, for addressing it? Rob's laughing. Someone just put an iconoclast just posted, I'm a Metatron supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well. <clears throat> Rob, do you think I have anti-rabbinic bias? Is that what was a key? Is that, yeah. is that it? He says, without knowing... Who, who's, who says this? Carlos Mendoza. He says, without, without knowing what Shapiro believed, you decided it is blasphemy because you have anti-rabbinic bias. Hmm. Wow. I'm going to take a uh, second here on this one. Um, okay. Let's talk about anti-rabbinic bias. I certainly do not have anti-rabbinic bias. Do, well, let, me ask, let me ask people like Carlos Mendoza and other people. Is it is are the Jew, Orthodox Jews who strongly oppose the Zohar and Kabbalah? Are th- do they have anti-rabbinic bias? Like Maimonides, Maimonides was anti. Oh, he's anti-rabbinic. Uh, Kabbalah must be anti-rabbinic then. Yeah. The, the the other point is this: yeah, people are going to say, "Oh, well, you know, you don't believe what I I don't believe that the that the Talmud and the Mishnah are on par with with uh, the Apostolic Scriptures. I believe in sola scriptura. That's not anti-rabbinic. I read the rabbis quite often. I have full I have the full Bavli sitting on my shelf at home. I have parts of the Yerushalami sitting on my shelf at home. I have access to both of them in Accordance Bible software. I read them all the time. And not only that, but people have left our congregation specifically because we hold to too much rabbinics in their opinion. Just because I don't believe that, that the rabbi's tradition is on par with Yeshua's words, that's not anti-rabbinic bias. I would suggest that I hold to a lot more of the, of the rabbinic writings than most messianics do. I have specifically said on this show before that I rap to feeling on almost a daily basis. I have a pro Yeshua bias. Yeah, exactly. A pro apostolic writings <laughs> bias. This is beyond offensive, honestly. Uh, Anti rabbinic bias. 
Show me. Show me where I have an anti-rabbinic exactly. bias. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a, just bordering on, I don't know. I wouldn't say hate, but that's a pretty different, that's a, you got to substantiate that. Yeah, substantiate that claim. Let's see it. Anti-rabbinic bias. Okay, he goes on. Why you don't invite Shapira to your show to ask those questions? So why why aren't we inviting Shapira onto our show? Well, uh, why would I? He's written a book. We are reflecting on what he's written in the book. I have had personal conversations with Itzhak Shapira. That's all how this whole show came about. Okay, and Rob and I have basically agreed after we had some unfortunate events happen with, uh, you know, with certain people wanting to be on this show. We decided that we weren't going to bring people on this show anymore. And why? Because we don't want someone coming on this show and blaspheming the name of the Messiah. Why would we want people, our listeners, to hear someone blaspheme the name of the Messiah? I don't get that. Somebody's going to get on this show and use this show as a catalyst to spout off their heretical views. Why? Why? Why would we do that? He goes on. Instead, it's better to kill the character of a person speaking Lashon Hara about him. How is this Lashon Hara? And how am I killing the character of Yitzhak Shapiro? I think he, he's doing that himself. He says that Metatron and Yeshua are one and the same. How is that? How am I killing the character of Yitzhak Shapira. What you've done is you've you've poked a hole in the in the rabbinic romanticism dream bubble. <sighs> and they don't uh, that's <gasps> oh the bubble is, I I want that bubble. When I want to live in the the dream of the romantic rabbi uh world. When, you can't you can't poke that bubble. You can't pop it. The question that I'd have for Carlos is when Yeshua calls the Pharisees, vipers, in front of everyone else. You brood of vipers. Is that Lashon Hara? I think from the same standard that seems to be applying here, it would have been. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I just don't... Okay. Honestly, he goes on, honestly, this is shameful because Shapira is one of the few in the movement. I think he's talking about Messianic Judaism trying to reach the Orthodox Jews for salvation. That is absolutely not true. That is a false statement through and through. That is 100% not true. There are full-on organizations that are dedicated to trying to evangelize the Orthodox Jews. Jews for Jesus. Right? The MJAA. Their whole shtick, the whole reason that the MJAA became the MJAA was to evangelize Jewish, the Orthodox Jews. Michael Brown has been involved in, in this. The UMJC, right? Bridges for Peace. <laughs> Should we keep going? The idea that Itzhak Shapira, and, and I'm not discounting what Itzhak Shapira is trying to do. He's just doing it horribly wrong. Presenting a false Yeshua to the Orthodox Jews is not going to help them. It's not going to bring... And you know what? This is based on an Arminian viewpoint. This has to be based on an Arminian viewpoint. Like, give somebody enough information, and they'll they'll be able to evaluate and decide. 
Well, no, you have to pick and choose the the right. You have to pick and choose the right words to to give to the Orthodox. You can't offend them because if you if you you know if you don't do it the right way, then they're not going to accept the message. That's Arminianism. If God has truly chosen these people to to believe, if they are truly God's elect from the foundation of the world, as the Scripture clearly teaches, then all you have to do is give them the true gospel. You do not need to sugarcoat anything. You don't need to try to reach them on a different level. You need to give them the gospel. And what does Paul say about people who preach a false gospel? (laughs) Accursed. He goes on, I would love to call Rabbi, I would love you to call Rabbi Shapira and tell him that he, he is teaching blasphemy or any of the people that you have criticized in your show. Let me first say this. This whole conversation came about because I contacted Itzhak Shapira and said that it was blasphemy to call Metatron and Yeshua one and the same. Where do you think this conversation came from? And not only that, but technically speaking, I didn't even have to do that. The guy wrote a book. He spent 20 pages or more explaining how Metatron and Yeshua are the same in his mind. And all of a sudden, I have to I have to call him. Bring it on. I will talk to Itzhak Shapira anytime, any place about this. I already have. This is so so. I mean, just out of line. So let's let's now move to somebody else's comments. This is from Kehilat Melech Israel, and I actually deleted this comment from my YouTube page because not because of the content, because I thought it was someone else. I thought it was someone. That what that I maybe I'm wrong. So listen to how he starts this out. Now Rob has not heard these. So Rob, listen carefully. What okay. is he says? What is this? These two clowns are the Hebrew roots version of Martin Luther and John Calvin. Thank That's you. Us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I uh, I accept that. <laughs> I would <laughs> man. I would never equate myself with John Calvin, but when someone else does, I am honored. I, I honor like that's the best compliment someone has given me in a long time. Luther, okay, I understand that, that Luther was a horrible anti-Semite at the end of his life, but if I affect change, not in, with anti-Semitism, but if I affect change for for uh, God's people, like Martin Luther did, uh, then that too is a compliment. I, 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 he says this like this is supposed to be some uh, horrible, you know, slam on us. <laughs> it's it's a compliment. I I feel like I'm talking a lot here. I'm all razzed up. I'm all I'm all revved on this. Do you want to jump in here, Rob? Yeah, interesting. I I just found the Facebook page you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, yeah. There's someone named. Oh, it says we we couldn't answer. There was a something that we couldn't answer, so we deleted it. Yeah, he, he's talking about the one that I'm that this Kehilat Melech Israel. I'm thinking about actually uh, uh, posting or uh, retyping this and then posting it on the the YouTube page. He says you guys make wide accusations without any solid form of evidence. That's simply not true. We have brought evidence. If anything, if if anything, your opinion is mere speculation. How is that possible? I don't understand what that statement means. 
So this right here is a straw man. Okay, he goes on. The fact that your video is seven minutes regarding a subject that is well over an hour to even two hours shows me how limited you are about concepts in Judaism. This tells me that this person has not actually watched the entire video. Our video was an hour and three minutes long. So he's just watched the seven-minute rebuttal or the seven-minute clip that I, that I pulled. To assume Rabbi Shapira ignored Enoch is a foolish uh, assumption. I was assuming that for his benefit. I wasn't assuming that he actually did. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. I was hoping that he was ignorant to Enoch because otherwise he's willingly telling people that a man and Yeshua are one and the same. That Enoch, who became an angel, is Yeshua and God. Uh, he goes on. Did you email Zahi to verify if he swept Enoch under the rug? No, I emailed him to tell him that it was blasphemy. Your comment is Lashon Hurrah. Once again, there we go with Lashon Hurrah. No, it's not. Because it presents the listener, hopefully no normal human being is listening to, to you two. This is why I thought it was Christopher. Uh, with the pretense that Zahi deliberate, deliberately lied. To pass this off is slander. Go study the laws. Okay. Of Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, you are both ignorant to the fact that Judaism does not teach Enoch is actually Memtet. Rob, help me out here. Did you know that we're ignorant to that? I, I have no idea. I, I, I think people... <laughs> oh, they've, they want to talk about Metatron. They want to change the conversation we're about we are pro apostolic writings yeah and and that's what we're defending <laughs> you, you we could grab quote from this rabbinic source and quote from this rabbinic source and they're going to disagree with each other it's not a unified body it's not like it's not like the apostolic writings there are all sorts of discrepancies and and things um that you know people who are dabbling in the rabbinic world there they think that they're in this world of, of magic and truth. You know? Beyond that, to say that, that Enoch and Metatron are not the same within, uh, within rabbinic literature is simply not true. He says, right. you mentioned the Sefer Zohar without knowing the esoteric background to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's interpretation to the Torah, and you are clueless that these esoteric concepts in the Zohar originate in the Mishnah. So, oh my goodness. so basically, yeah. he's saying that the Zohar is is one hundred percent truth. Do you even know Shaz, Shulchan Aruch? No, I I don't read the Shulchan Aruch because it's what seventeenth, eighteenth century. Yeah, yeah. The chances yeah. are no. So please don't reference Kabbalistic concepts when you don't even know Shaz. No, so, Shaz is Mishnah. Well, yeah. I, I'm trying to find where you're reading here. Oh, the, uh, this is a here. You want it? I deleted it. Is here, it, oh, wait, is this the Kehilat Melikis? Yeah, one? here, let's post this. Hang on just a sec. Let me post this on our Facebook page so other people can can write, can read it. Um, give me just a second here. Okay, listeners, this way. Um, yeah, this guy's a fool. Who's that? This guy's totally a fool. Now, Rob. Um, hang on just a sec, guys. Okay, everyone. Oh, man, hey, what happened to the to the uh, to the challenge that I gave everyone to find uh, us some 
uh, elevator music for when we're doing stuff like this. Oh, do, 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 do. yeah, we need some good do, elevator music for when we're like, you know, trying to post something. Anyway, just keep reading it. Okay, we'll, hang on, we'll hang on, just a second. Later. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Just hold, hold on. People can keep people can endure a little bit of dead, dead air for just a few seconds. Okay, um, eleven four. Here we go. Okay, here is this. This comment was deleted on accident from our YouTube page. All right, people, here you go. And posted. Okay, so let's keep going. Ghost studies a lot. Okay, you are both ignorant to the. Okay, uh, Zahiz, and he's talking about Itzhak Shapira. Whole point of referring to Memtet as Yeshua was based on the Machzor. I know this. I read the section in his book where during the Seder Shofar section, we daven in his name, and that is Metatron's name. And he, Metatron slash Yeshua. Or so the claim is from Itzhak Shapira. Professor Yehuda Liebs. So, yeah, this guy doesn't know how to spell. As well as Moshe. That's Moshe Edel, and he spelled it ideal. Yeah, this person's kind of illiterate. Well, I think that's another reason that I think that this is uh, this is Christopher. Anyway, has explained that Yeshua's mention in the Machzor is Yeshua Hanatsri, and he's connected with the, uh, the Memtet because the Memtet is the prince of Hashem's face, which is, uh, which is what the visible manifestation of Yeshua represents. I know this. I read the. I read the book. You know, right? You know that this is his, what yeah. Shapira is arguing. Yeah. So not that it. Not that the physical body of Yeshua is God because it's not. Oh, so, oh, oh, oh. And such an uh, and such a belief is idolatry. Rather, Yeshua embodied within him the Sefirot of Hashem. <laughs> they. Okay, I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. Go ahead. Go. No, they. I see. They did read my post. Okay, hang on, just a sec, just a sec. Let's let's just uh, we skimmed over this real quick. Not that the physical body of Yeshua is God, because it's not. As such a belief is idolatry. Rather, Yeshua embodied w- within him the sefirot of ha- Hashem. I'm not exactly sure where he's going with that. Is he saying that Yeshua is not fully God? I don't know. It's it's their it's their gobbledy speak. I I don't I don't claim to understand what they're talking about. It's like, okay, yeah. So go ahead to what you saw. Oh, they, uh, he says, I'm not going to cast pearls before swine. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. Okay. And then he says, by the way, your Fisher Price Judea Classics does not make you an expert in Baltarim. Oh, which is interesting because I didn't, I only cited Judea Classics as a secondary source, which is, it's just a Hebrew uh, catalog full of Hebrew texts. It was actually a scan from, from the Mikraut Gedolot. Uh, was the primary text I used, and I used the Judea classics uh, as a secondary source. Um, but he calls it Fisher Price. Yeah, glad to see they read my article at least. Why don't they respond to my article? Yeah, yeah. So I wrote the article on Bal Haturim and Metatron. And, uh, and how come I, those guys don't? How come those guys uh, don't reply? Well, this uh, see once again, I, I'm pretty sure that this is Christopher because he continues to call us boys. He does this in in all of his fake profile posts. You boys, he always says that. 
I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm convinced. I'm glad to. I'm glad to have uh, that people are out there reading it who disagree. <laughs> um. So, anyway, um, check this out. This is another comment that was on there. Ronnie Ramirez on the YouTube page. He says, "You guys are way out of your league trying to make sense of this." Uh, and so I took what he said at face value that we're out of our league. Shapiro's out of your league. Stop trying and just have a live debate and clear the air with this matter. I mean, no disrespect, Shalom. So I wrote back and said, I'm not sure how we're out of our league. I, you know, list a couple of, you know, your credentials and uh, say, you know, Rob's obviously not out of his league. He's well-versed in rabbinic literature here. But I think what he meant was like, I don't think he meant you're out of your league. <laughs> He says, I, I sent him a link of your blog post, um, by the way. Uh, he says, and so what, how much rabbinic teaching he has gone through, it means nothing to me because it's not uh, the divine word of Hashem. Okay, I totally agree with you. I'm just, what I was trying to say was that, you know, when it comes to rabbinic literature and Itzhak Shapira, uh, you know, debating, it's, uh, uh, debating rabbinic literature, Rob obviously has is in the same league. If you know, he's able to debate these things. He's not out of the, out of league. Uh, he says, "I know we all love and respect the sages of old, but we must stay focused on the true word that was spoken by God." Totally agree with you. That's our whole point. Plus, you guys look confused about the matter. Like I said, go about this a different way to the man who wrote this book and not say this is crap, which I never said. I said it's trash. There is a difference. Very disrespectful coming from Torah Resource. Okay. you can. I mean, you can you can think that if you want to. Um, and apparently people do, you know? But what is so offensive to me, this is the most offensive part. You know, I don't think that believers as a whole, well, I shouldn't say that. I, no, I, I take that back. I strike that from the record. I don't believe that some messianics, and particularly a lot of the people who have have uh, commented, take into consideration that Yeshua is with us, that he is in our midst, that he is just as much here in this room with me as, you know, if someone else was in this room with me. He is, I mean, you know, when I'm in the same room with my dad, guess what? Yeshua is there too. And what Itzhak Shapira has done is he has taken Kabbalistic work, heretical doctrine, and he has equated it to Yeshua. In my opinion, that's a spit in the face of my Messiah, who is with me. I'm standing up and I'm saying this is not right. And guess what? These people who are believers are saying, oh, no, you need to go about this. You know, it's not right. You know, this, oh... Uh, really? How are you, it boggles my mind that other believers aren't standing up and saying, "Yeah, this is heresy. This is wrong. This is blasphemy." They don't know it's because people have a pro-rabbinic bias in the messianic That's field. That's true. And then what they do is like, "Oh, if it's in the writings of the rabbis, oh, Hebrew, oh." It's the holy language. Actually, it's funny you say that because Ooh. Carlos Mendoza, in his in his comments on Facebook, says, "You know, this 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 man is a is a uh, Israeli rabbi. 
So what? Who cares who he is? That's it. That's it. Yeah. People are, uh, to me, they get snookered. They get into this romanticization of rabbinics. Somebody walks in and spits in the face of the Messiah. And we shouldn't say anything because he's from Israel. Because he calls himself rabbi. I have one rabbi. There's only one rabbi. And this man is saying things that oppose my my Rebbe. And the fact of the matter is, is that, (laughs) uh, you know, what I said, you know, Carlos's assertion to me that, uh, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm basically speaking Lashon Haran, all these things. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm going through so many things in my mind right now, it's hard to even focus on exactly where to go with this because it's just, it, it's so offensive. When, when, Car- when Carlos said that I was, uh, you know, that I had said that I don't understand his view on Metatron. No, what I said was, was that I'm giving, I'm giving, Yitzhak Shapiro, the benefit of the doubt. And the benefit of the doubt is, is that he doesn't understand what he's doing. He's not trying to blaspheme the name of the Messiah. That's what I mean. You know, I don't think that he's intentionally saying, uh, you know, intentionally going out and, and smearing the name of the Messiah. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt on that. But he certainly is. <laughs> In his book. And here's the problem. He's selling hundreds and thousands of his book. What do, they, what do you think the Christian world, I mean, true believers, the Christian true believers think when they look at this and they, and they say, this guy is equating Yeshua with Metatron, equating Jesus with Metatron. <laughs> total, total, just disbelief at the response. I am so disheartened by the how pushovers pushovers oh yeah okay you want to talk bad about the messiah okay well we'll we'll okay i'll just well since you're a rabbi from yeah exactly Israel, oh but these guys are going to stand up I and don't say know no anything yeah exactly <laughs> just i mean just soft soft Stand up. Be. I mean, where is the the gumption? Where's the chutzpah? Yeah, make a statement. Where's the chutzpah for the Messiah? I don't get it. All right, let's move on. We need to, we need to make assertions. Yeah, we need to make assertions about thing about what is true and what is false. Otherwise, we're just like uh, floaty aroundy. Okay, so uh, let's move on uh, now. Uh, did I forget to grab that comment? Um, I might have. Okay. So, oh, I, I did. Okay, so uh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at my show notes. So that's okay. We're we're taking it straight. We're just on a so floaty. There was this lady who responded to. Uh, now I I pulled a comment. Or I pulled a couple of uh, sound clips from this gentleman, and what was his name? I, I accidentally pulled the wrong. Um, <laughs> I pulled the wrong comment from her, 
uh, I forget, Steve Berkson. Okay, so I pulled a couple of uh, of comments from Steve Berkson that he made. And so this uh, lady, Shelly, responded. And actually, this interaction was really good. It, 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 I, I felt like it was a really good interaction when it came to... Okay, hang on just a sec. I'm being I'm being uh, flagged here by people in the chat room. Gary made a comment that is worth repeating. Is it the he thinks it's okay to use creatively uh, to use creativity redefinition and emotional appeal that it that it isn't harming truth? A problem I'm having with a different subject. That's true. Okay, let's people keep using. Uh, people keep using Lashon Hurrah. I don't think they know what, what it means. For it to be Lashon Hurrah, according to rabbinic definition, the statement one must uh, one makes must be true. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought, I thought of a funny redefinition in the, the post that you've just put, it up, put up, the one yeah. that was deleted. He says something about Pearls before swine, I'd say, well, at least these are kosher swine. Yeah, exactly. The kosher pig. Okay. Back to Shelly. So Shelly responds and says, hey, you know, can you please tell me what, you know, I think you've misjudged this, blah, blah, blah. This is actually on a different subject because we were talking about the word legalism. And uh, you can go to the YouTube page and, and find it there if you'd like to. Anyway, during that, uh, during the interaction, I went back and listened to some of these clips that he has that Berkson made or uh, these statements that Berkson made. And I realized that we kind of skimmed over the main issue. Uh, and this was a show that was done not with Rob. It was a Q&A show with my dad and I while Rob was gone. Now, um, like I said, the interaction with Shelly was actually really good. And I, I walked away from, from it feeling feeling good about it. Somebody else uh, emailed me and asked a question, and this is how this whole subject kind of came together. Um, they basically said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble with this idea of, of, of sanctification. If a person is truly a believer in the Messiah Yeshua, they should be sanctified unto him, right? And that is absolutely correct. And so this person says, well, sanctification, how, is, how are God's people sanctified? The answer is through Torah. And so this person said, well, if, the person, if a person is sanctified through Torah and the Christians are rejecting Torah, then can we say that they're really saved? If sanctification is the true mark of true faith, and sanctification is done through the Torah. Those who reject the Torah, can they really be saved? I had someone else email uh, this week and ask about the word Christ. They said, can you talk about the word Christ and how, you know, some people are trying to move away from this word Christ. They don't want to use it. They want to use Messiah or whatever. Okay, granted, I use Messiah. Christ, uh, you know, basically their point was if, if the apostolic writers use the word Christ, why shouldn't we use the word Christ? There's absolutely nothing wrong with the word Christ, by the way. Right. It's the Greek word for Messiah. And uh, I, the only reason I shy away 
at all from using the word Christ is because many people within the Christian church don't realize that the word Christ means Messiah. I asked a very good friend, I've said this on the show before, so sorry for repeating, but I'll say it again. I asked a very good friend of mine, we were in our early 20s, he went to the same church as I did my whole life, he still goes to that church. I asked him, I said, do you know, uh, you know, what was Jesus, what was Jesus' last name? And he said, it was Christ. So he thought that Christ was Jesus' last name. So I think that with some people within the church, not all, maybe not even a majority, there's a lack of education to the idea of what Jesus Christ means, which is Yeshua the Messiah. And so just to try to, but if you say Messiah, then there's a different concept in people's head. And so that's why I try to use Messiah instead of Christ. It has nothing to do with the concept that uh, the word Christ is wrong or that we shouldn't be using Greek or anything like that. Quite the contrary. So uh, this person writes in. Actually, let's listen to some. Let's listen to some clips here, because uh, I think that this is uh, this is kind of what we have going on in this uh, in this series. Now, Steve Berkson, I, I should preface this. First of all, he believes wholeheartedly that Yeshua is is Yotevave. So he is very strong on the deity of the Messiah. That's not what this is about. He is also very strong. <coughs> on the idea that we should be, uh, that Gentiles should be keeping Torah. And um, I haven't heard a lot of uh, Mr. Berkson's teachings, okay? So I'm not putting the guy down here at all. Uh, This teaching is actually on, uh, what he's talking about here is the Antichrist. So he's trying to somewhat identify the Antichrist. And um, so what we really stuck on the first time I played these clips was in fact... His use of the word legalism. We're going to leave that alone for now. What what uh, Mr. Berkson, after a significant amount of discussion with Shelley, uh, who is, I believe, his assistant maybe or uh, works with the ministry, uh, she and she, she had cc'd him on on the email to me. Uh, she she said that his definition of legalism is one who keeps the law. So it has nothing to do with a salvation issue. So. With that in mind, keep that in mind, that's what he means when he says legalist, someone who keeps the law, not necessarily for salvation, just someone who keeps the law, okay? Oh, okay. So that's what he means. That's a nuanced definition, because normally, like, legalism, in my experience, when people use it, they're thinking you're trying to earn points with God. Yes, and that's what I—so the very first time that my dad and I talked about these clips, that's what I basically— talked about was that this was a bad definition. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so we're going to leave that alone for now, but we're just going to listen to what Mr. Berkson has to say about Yeshua, and basically he's talking about the Antichrist here, okay? The greatest setup of all time has been perpetrated on all of the world. That setup has been perpetrated and pushed on us for about 2,000 years now. The setup is to lead you away from Yeshua and the Torah. That setup is Jesus Christ. That is your anti-Messiah. When I first was going to do this teaching, I said, what are you going to teach me? I'm going to tell everybody Jesus is the Antichrist. I'm not saying Yeshua. The false fraud. We're talking about fraudulent. Remember we were earlier talking about fraudulent? The fraud that has been perpetrated on the world is the Jesus that you've been sold, who is peace, love, wonderful, hippie freak, 
and eat whatever you want, and don't worry, everything's great, and don't worry about what my father said to do. You, did, you know what I'm saying? This is the fraud. Yeah. Okay, so what Mr. Bergson is now asserting, and I would disagree with this, but what Mr. Bergson is asserting, and I think that actually, although we might disagree, I think that this is somewhat of a prevalent view within, within uh, Messianic Judaism or within the Hebrew Roots movement, and that is that if, it's, if the Christian church believes it, then it must be false. We see this happening a lot within the Messianic movement now. Uh, the deity of the Messiah is, is strongly under attack, and the idea of the Trinity, this is all very much under attack. We've been talking this whole show about, essentially, about sola scriptura, the idea that the, uh, that the Word of God, 66 books, is the final authority in all matters of practice and, and, uh, and theology. Uh, because many people within the Messianic movement and the Hebrew Roots movement want to say, no, we must have the rabbinic writings as well. Okay. Um, so what Mr. Bergson here is saying is, okay, so you have the Christian church, you have the Catholic church coming out of the first century or the third century, sixth century, depending on where you're going to place all this stuff. But essentially coming out of, uh, out of the followers of Yeshua, okay? So the Nazarenes and all these things. Out of this comes these different splinter religions, but the main religion is, is essentially a false religion is what he's saying, essentially. And maybe I shouldn't put words in his mouth. This is what I'm getting from, from Mr. Berkson's comments, that this is, a, this is false because, um, because within Christianity, people have given up on the Torah, which is obviously false, and um, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't accept this, that this is a fake, this is a false messiah. And in some ways, I would agree with what he's asserting, which is, now I want to clarify that, what I would agree with is this idea that Yeshua is this blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy who rejected Torah and basically started this new religion called Christianity, and, you know, he was the, uh, he was the pastor of the, of the first real church, and it was like a Baptist church or whatever, you know, uh, or the Catholic church or whatever. Uh, that this is Jesus. No, I would disagree with that. You should... Right, and, and here's the thing. If we were to take this uh, Steve Berkson's uh, portrayal and go around to different mainline churches and say, is this who you believe Jesus is? How many of them would accept his straw man picture? As saying, oh, they would probably say, no, there's more to it than that. And they would have, they probably are pro-Bible, you know, a lot of these mainline churches, they probably are doing their best to understand what it means to love God and love one another. Um, do they? Does that mean that all their theology is in order? Not necessarily. Maybe they need some chiropractic adjustments or whatever, you know. But to demonize them as a as a whole, that's that. I don't understand the fruit in that. I, I don't see any fruit in a demonization or calling uh, or the antichrist as a Christization of of Jesus in English speaking world that doesn't it that doesn't help. Uh, rather, we need to we want to build. We want to find common ground with our Christian brothers and sisters, and build with Scripture. Go just keep it in the realm of Scripture. We don't have to accuse people of uh, idolatry or that they're serving the Antichrist. I mean, I, I, this guy's just passionate about nothing. Uh, uh, something that. 
like he's yelling charge like he's got an army behind him and he's charge and it's like but there's there's no one on the other side of the hill <laughs> you know it's like is there really a battle on that front i i don't see it well but but i i will say this within you know within the hebrew roots slash messianic movement it does seem as though that there there is this idea that all things christian are bad so this to me is just a logical step well if the christian church is is misrepresenting who who Jesus is then what's the, and and I'm not saying Mr. Berkson is going to the next step which other people have which is well they can't be sanctified if they reject the Torah we'll talk about that in a second I have one more clip from Mr. Berkson before we uh before we move sanctification on sanctification is a process oh I totally agree it's not a drive through Starbucks thing you know? I saw this I saw this uh it was like a meme or whatever but it was like a it was it was actually a video <laughs> <laughs> and it was this guy he got on he got onto this escalator. Oh, I apologize, everyone. Um silence. So he he was get it was like this old guy who was getting onto the escalator and he like steps on and his feet like go first and he like goes his head goes down and he just starts rolling, you know, and it like the thing keeps going up, but he keeps like basically staying in the same place, rolling, 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 and, and it just says above it, sanctification. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Um, anyway, okay. Um, so let's let's listen to another clip. You're right, though. I, I totally agree with you, Rob. The world has been being brainwashed, set up, indoctrinated, getting ready for this guy. What do you hear within Christian music and in the world? It's all about Jesus, not about the Father. We worship Jesus, we love Jesus, we pray to Jesus, we thank Jesus. Everything's Jesus. Am I wrong? Okay, that's right, right? That's the way it is. Because he's being exalted about everything. What did Yeshua say? Don't come to me. I want to point you to him. It's not a... Okay. Uh, Don't come to me? Yeah, well, okay. I should let that go longer. Let's listen to you. About everything. What did Yeshua say? Don't come to me. I want to point you to him. It's not about me. It's about my father. Is that what you see in Christianity? Okay, that right there is a false statement. No one comes to the Father but through me. <laughs> right? I am the truth, the way, and the life. How, I mean, I, I don't understand how Mr. Bergson would get around those kind of statements. Now, I, I understand, I want to make it very clear that I understand Mr. Bergson's end-all point. Oh, he's a, it says he's a rabbi. Yeah. I missed that part. Sorry. Well, I think the rabbi is in quotes. Well, I, I, I mean that he calls himself rabbi. Yes. Um, I, I want to make it clear that I, I understand Mr. Bergson's end-all point, which is that Christianity has gotten Yeshua wrong in many cases, in many different aspects. And that so that's false, and therefore it's a, quote, false messiah. Okay. However, I somewhat reject this as well, because I think that the church has, in many cases, and even before uh, the, you know, the Reformation, you, you had the Catholic Church, right? You basically have two churches. We've talked about uh, the history of the church and whatnot on this show before. You basically have two churches. You have the, what has now become the Greek Orthodox Church, and you have the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church was the dominant church within, within uh, Christendom, okay, before before the Reformation. And and it still is. Okay, let's be honest. It still is. Um, so you have the Catholic Church, but there really wasn't 
another church. You were part of the Catholic Church before the Reformation. Here's the, here's the question. Was the Catholic Church right before the Reformation? No, they were not. So were there people who were saved within the Catholic Church before the Reformation? The answer is absolutely there were. And the reason we know that is because the Reformation happened. There were people who were strongly opposing the... the because God always has a remnant. That's right. There, there were people that were strongly obje- uh, uh, rejecting the Pope. People were strongly rejecting the Church. They still were a part of the Church, but they were rejecting it. And this is how you have the, the Protestant Reformation, Right. So there was always a remnant. You're right. So then this this is the email that I received, uh, and he goes through some scripture, and let's talk about this real quick, okay? He says, in Matthew 5, 19, those who break the least of the commandments and teach others so are called least in the kingdom of heaven, but at least they are in. Then there are those who do the commandments and teach them are called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jump to Matthew seven thirteen and the narrow and wide gates. Many refer to the ones who enter the narrow gates a gate as believers and the wide gate for unbelievers. But what if this verse applies just to believers? Why would unbelievers be looking for a gate to begin with? Are those who enter the broad gate deceived by the false prophets, and that is false doctrine, in the following verses? Now we come to verse 21. Only those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom. What is the will of the Father? Keeping the commandments, right? Now we are at the juncture where we talked about how Christians keep a lot of the Torah, even if they say it has been done away with. So this person actually called me and we had a discussion. And I uh, made the point, okay, look, the Christian church, those within the true believers within the, within the Christian church, let's take, you know, uh, uh, let's not take anyone. I know a specific gentleman who is a very strong believer. He's a pastor. He uh, he shepherds a very large congregation. Okay, he uh, you know I I love hearing him preach. He's a dynamic preacher, and he doesn't waver on the truth of the scriptures. You know he was ta- he was teaching in in uh, Ephesians, and I thought this is going to be interesting. The whole women submit to your to your uh, husbands kind of a thing. Uh, how's he going to deal with this? You know he's got a church of almost five thousand people. There's no way he's going to tell 5,000 people, hey, women, submit to your husbands. He did. He said, look, the the scripture teaches it. This is what we believe. You know, he's well-versed in his Greek, all this kind of stuff. Okay. However, every time I sit down to eat with him, he makes it a point to eat unkosher food. He makes that point because... He wants to make sure that he's stating his claim that he is free in the Messiah. Is he going to hell? Because he thinks that he that that kosher food is is okay or unkosher food is okay to eat. And my point is this: this gentleman certainly, certainly believes that breaking God's commandments is not right. He is sanctified through the Torah, loving your neighbor as yourself, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. He just has a different different definition of what God's commandments are. But the majority of the Torah, he believes in, right? It's a heart issue as well. But I would say that I certainly, you know, hey, 
people have just been in the past week yelling that I am committing Lashon Haran, all these things. I'm not a perfect person. There's absolutely no doubt about that. My sanctification is just as much a process as anyone else's. So I can't point the finger. It's not for me to judge who's saved and who's not. Can I look at this gentleman that I'm talking about and say that the fruit of his hands says that he believes in the Messiah? The answer is absolutely absolutely yes. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think back to that initial comment about the enter the narrow path. Yeah. He's not just talking to believers in Yeshua. He's talking to uh, people. Gen- there were That's why he's the same thing. He said, come to me. Learn from me. Do you realize how many teachers there were in Yeshua's day trying to get disciples and trying to uh, teach this is the true way? That's why we have the, you know, we had the teacher of righteousness out, you know, the Dead Sea Scroll. We have all the different uh, sects had their teachers that were uh, had disciples after them. That's what he's talking about. He says, come to me. He's the narrow way. Mm. Following Yeshua is the narrow way. And you know what? God knows the hearts. God knows the hearts. God has to work on the hearts of individuals. And he gives us the charge to lead with the truth of his word, with grace and truth both, and not to compromise on what we know is true and that is anchored in the scriptures. And that's, that's where we are. And that means sometimes we're in conflict with our brothers uh, in Messiah, that we're, we come into conflicts. We come into places where we're interpreting scripture differently. And it, what does it force us, force us to do? To go and do our homework, to make sure, put our roots deeper in, make sure we're uh, grounded in the truth, and that it causes us to increase our, our mercy and kindness to others, but also to learn to articulate our truths more clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's why we go to these conferences, we're, we're, because we're all works in progress. I, I just, I reject this, the, this Berkson's portrayal. I, I, I think that's ridiculous. I think if he preaches like that a lot, I would be really concerned. It seems a little bit, uh, now I've done this in my life before. In fact, I did this just the other day. Um, but you know, I've, I've thought of uh, shock value as being a, a, a good way to teach or a good way to grab people's attention. You shock them. Well, Yeshua did that. He says you strain the gnat and swallow the camel. I think it's brilliant because you remember it. You can't forget it. Um, so there is, but there's a point where you're going too far. This is just bad theology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeshua didn't have bad theology. At least, I not that I can see. <laughs> but that's the but point he, here is that, you know, Berkson, while a, a lot of what he says might be true, and, you know, I, like I said, I haven't listened to a lot of Berkson, so I'm not trying to put the guy's teaching as a hole down. What I think he's trying to do here is he's trying to emphasize a point that the Christian Messiah is wrong. And I think he truly believes that, you know, the whole point of his his message in this, in this uh, teaching is that the Christian church is going to have uh, is going to be led astray by this false idea of Yeshua or this false idea of Jesus, and that that's what's going to lead them away. And then, uh, you know, they think that they're going to be good, but in the end, you know, the true Messiah is going to come. Okay, you know, there might be some truth to that. The Christian church certainly does believe, certainly does see Yeshua or Jesus as this, you know, every everybody's good, don't worry about it. You know, as long as you love everybody, you know, you're good. You're in. Okay, well, that's that's not true. 
you know, true relationship with the Almighty, true sanctification. These are things that must, you know, that must uh, overwhelm our life. Are we, do we see ourselves as disciples of Yeshua? Yeah, exactly. That's it. And I can't learn, Caleb, I can't learn your lesson for you. Exactly. And you can't learn your les- or my lesson for me. I have to learn my lesson. You have to learn, learn your lesson. And Yeshua is going to guide and shape you, and, you know, right? And, I, and me too. He gives the, in Greek we're reading uh, John 15 right now, about the vine and the branches. It's just so beautifully put, you know, in John 15. My Father will prune you and you'll bring forth more fruit. And it's, that's his, that his, his glory. But we, we do need to be patient with one another. You know, when we have brothers and sisters that have, that uh, we share a lot of foundational background with, but we disagree on certain specifics, we can't just demonize them instantaneously, you know, or just and in these global statements, you know, these big general statements that Jesus is the Antichrist. I mean, that's just, that reminds me of the kosher pig or something. You know, it's this, why would you put, why would you call Jesus the Antichrist? Why would you call a pig kosher? Right? It's this people, it's like people are trying to turn the world upside down. They're trying to make words mean something opposite to get an effect. Right? I don't see the fruit in it. I, I think it could stir up and people are going to read these books and go, ah, that doesn't tell me that they're saved. That I don't know if you've advanced knowledge of, of personal salvation that way. Yeah, no doubt. All right, folks. Uh, we had a lot of uh, technical issues this week trying to get my new computer, by, which is a huge blessing, by the way. I'm very excited and very thankful to the Almighty for... Uh, for providing the funds to be able to uh, to, to upgrade my uh, computer, there has been some technical difficulties that have gone along with it, and so we're praying that uh, by next week we'll have it all figured out. Um, so yeah, be praying for that for us if you would. But uh, whoa, oh, and, pr- and pray for us for just yeah overall. Just keep on keeping on. We need we need a lot of prayer. That is for sure. It says, don't grow weary in, in doing good, it says in the scriptures. Um, and we, that's uh, sometimes our flesh can feel really like we're getting really wearied out by some of the crazies out there. Um, but we want to remember the armor of God, have his joy. His, our strength is in uh, his, his joy, our rejoicing in him, back to John 15. That that's uh, our call is to have fellowship in the joy of the Messiah, like Caleb was saying, you know, he's with us. If we have, if we walk in the light, then that's where, that's where we need to stay and stay in the light and let's seek to glorify him and let's put his scriptures first and foremost. And that means these rabbinic things, those, we can talk about those things. We can read them, we can cite them, but we have to understand it's not scripture. It's an imaginary world of a, of a, a, tradition of scholarship that flat out openly rejects the truth of the gospel. Yeah, exactly. So therefore, uh, to look at that and say it's a source of light is deceptive to people. No doubt. All right, everybody. Well, we hope that you've uh, enjoyed this show. 
I'm sure we'll probably get just as much pushback on this one as we did <laughs> the last Bring one. Bring it all. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing is, is that I don't think people realize if we don't talk about things that are somewhat controversial on this show, then, I mean, what what's going on? What, you know, what, what are people going to listen to? Uh, we talk about these things because we think that they're important things to talk about, things that are affecting the body of the Messiah, things that are seeping into people's theology today in Messianic Judaism and Hebrew roots. And what we want to do is we want to lift up our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. <laughs> 